Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the biz. Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. DeShay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. DeShay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to...
for my lady, so I must say classy. Gotta keep it high, keep it together if I want to get better. Yesterday, on a long conversation related uh, to the execution of a black man who only had a telephone, who supposedly was a suspect in smashing windows and vandalizing cars, found himself in a position where he was told, uh, it was said that he made advancements on the police, and he was shot 20 times. And today what I want to talk about is how do we determine our value when white America wants to suggest that our lives are only worth throwing money at us after they have violated our existence. Uh, Nate provided us with an article that talked about how a man was in jail for a number of years and was given $75 when he was originally released and then was awarded $1 million after being in jail for decades. So we have to ask ourselves, when they're willing to to give people vacations when they end our existence, 
and they're willing to write a check to families after we've long been buried, who really determines our self-worth? When it's so difficult to get across to them that we believe our lives are as valuable, as important as anybody else, but yet they're willing to use terms like I fear for my life when they execute us, who can we look to to determine our value? I want to believe that my life is worth something. I enjoy every breath that I take. I enjoy every sunrise that uh, comes my way. Today my cleaning lady came and cleaned my room and my area, my living, and I'm, I'm just, and I'm basking in the fact that I have the ability to have somebody do something that I can't do myself and enjoy the neatness of where the shape she puts my home in. I enjoy talking to my daughter, and every year that I have with her is 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 worth gold to me. But yet, outside of myself, white America is just one excuse from putting me away. Nate, what what are your thoughts as we talk about these? We continue this conversation, and we're taking it a little further. Who determines our value? Why you can't know, we be as important as anybody else? You know, we have to determine our value. I mean, we we have to take determine our value. I saw Black Panther um, this week uh, for the first time. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday. And I was seeing all those different shades of black people dressed in royalty. And for the first time in a long time, I mean, I really, truly felt good about being a black man. Because that movie really touched on some social events without even involving white folks, kind of like what we're doing now. And I take pride in who I am and what what I do. When I saw the article about that man was in prison, I think for 30 years or 31 years, and they just gave him $75. I'm saying, he's worth more than $75 because you spent more than $75 to take care of him through all those years. So he's worth more in prison than he is out of prison. Then he went to the um, board to try to get him some clemency to clear him just to get the million dollars. He didn't even get the million dollars right off the bat. Then at the same time, I was like, why a million dollars? Why he can't get a million dollars for every year that he was in prison? That that the governor finally said, enough is enough. This man has been falsely accused. We have to determine our value. There's, there's certain things in my life I would never let nobody say to me. I would never let nobody tell me I'm a bad soldier. Not not the missions I ran. I mean, there's times I almost died. So, no, I determine how good of a soldier I am. I don't care what my record says. I determine what kind of soldier I am because I put on that uniform. So we have to determine our value, and and we determine our value also too by sticking together, <laughs> holding each other accountable, holding each other up. You know, letting the other one know, hey, this is wrong what you did, but this is how we can fix it. We have to have accountability towards each other as long as as well as ourselves, because 
like you say, when 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 one America does something, they want to fix it with money, and we can't always be receptive to that. I mean, because at the end of the day, money don't necessarily mean justice. Money just saying, hey, we we was wrong, and we just giving you something to hush up so you can leave us alone. So we have to say, we have to get to the point where we have to say, money is just not enough. You know, we have to get to that point and saying, yes, I'm glad I'm getting that, but that's just not enough. We have to get to the point of receiving justice as well as compensation. Thank you. You know, it is um, sad. You you recognize you are a second-class citizen when you have to act differently in order to remain alive. And when we sit around and recognize that white America is allowed to disrespect police officers, they're allowed to challenge their right to do things to them or address them in certain ways, we've seen our children die for little or nothing. And every time you turn around, you know, it, it just hurts me and pains me every time this happens because then I go, I have to go back and review when a woman changed her job in Texas and got pulled over for a minor traffic incident and ended up in handcuffs, ended up in jail, and then ended up dead. And that we can die when we're in the hands of people who we're supposed to seek protection from. So, D, you know, when we ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves, who determines our value? When people are willing to, are able to execute us without things to be the same thing they did years ago, when they did it in hungers and trees, so how is have our value changed in? Well, uh, good evening, everybody, uh, and thank you, James, for another great topic. Um, our value has changed because uh, we uh, collectively uh, don't look to change our self-worth. Um, kind of have to excuse me, I'm in the grocery store, but I will not miss this conversation. Um um, you know, uh, for the past two two or three weeks, I've, I've heard mention of the movie Black Panther and how it has rejuvenated uh, our esteem in knowing that we were once royalty and actually we still are. Uh, it it took it takes the movie like Black Panther to uh, put on the big screen to give us a visualization of who we really are. Now, the point, the, the, the problem is that there's been a, a, a huge disconnect in that understanding. And we're partly to blame. Uh, our kids and our uh, 
siblings have no idea of who we are. We are being told who we are. That's the problem. We are being told that we are no more worth than what we were on that on the selling block mm-hmm. 200, 300 years ago. And that's how they see us. Uh, that's the self-worth that they pass down to their kids about us. When we continuously degrade ourselves, all we do is just bear, buy into that uh, belief that they already have of us. When we, uh, uh, the guy that was that was shot, um, his behavior dictated his destiny. That got to be understood. That has to be understood going forward. Our attitude creates our creates our destiny. That has to be understood. Again, Donald Trump is just a um, is just a repercussion. Of us not understanding that. That, that All of that has to be understood going forward I promise you Because the insanity Is that We expect different results From doing the same thing And so I I do Sympathize And understand our frustration But part of that Frustration we own And you know, we can't expect them to understand us because they never will. They never will understand us. They never will be able to put us out of this slump that we have about ourselves. So it is our destiny to make sure that our people understand who we are, the pride that we're supposed to have. You know, I I keep being reminded in my mind about Farrakhan and and the and the brothers of Islam back in the sixties, seventies, and the eighties, the way they used to talk and the, the way they used to talk about us, the ones of us that chose to be Americanized, and the way they talked about us, but not being, but not knowing and being blinded by them, and all of that is actually a repercussion of that. This is where we are. All that we've done for this country. We're still having to try and prove ourselves. And so the question is, when would it all stop? I'm not sure when it would stop. Thank you, James. D, you know you always add something to the table, and that's part of what I'm trying to say. So, Cheryl, when I go to you, I'm saying, in the past, I was born in 1960. And there was a period in our past when you could be murdered in the street by anybody who was white, and there was a possibility that those people would get off. And they would get off because for no other reason than they were white. Now, we still remain in a time when Trayvon Martin walked to a store and simply wanted to walk home, and he was murdered by a white man only because he was in the wrong place getting black. And so all of us can be 
possibly be in the wrong place walking black. And a white person can make a decision and have an opportunity to not pay one year in jail for devaluing who we are as a person. So again, I ask, how do we determine our value when white America can so easily take our lives from us? Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? You know, I believe that, well, I know that I don't allow anyone to determine my worth. And that means that I'm secure in myself. And when we begin to allow anyone else to determine what we worth, then we have lost who we really are. That means we don't have any self-esteem. That means we don't believe that we are somebody. And I always instill in my children, tell them all the time, um, I praise them on the accomplishments because sometimes they're so beaten down is that they only hear negative things. Right. And I also send people daily affirmations when they are, you constantly read them over and over. And it tells you that I am a child of God, that I am precious in His eyes. So, and so many other things. So with me, I don't let nobody tell me what I'm worth. Because can't nobody tell me about me but me. And I feel like we are just allowing others to determine who we are. What you think about me is your business. It has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's only what I do in the eyes of God and who I believe that I am. Because when I began to give over to someone else my worth, then I'm saying that I'm not worth worth anything at all. And I refuse to allow anyone, and I don't care what circumstances, I have lived in a car before, and I still did not mm. allow anybody to tell me I was worthless. I've been homeless many a times. I lived in a bridal shop and slept in a dressing room and had to get up in the morning. But guess what? Nobody could tell by the way I carried myself what my circumstances is, was because I didn't allow my circumstances to determine how I was going to act, how I was going to carry myself, because I always believe and know that I am somebody. And I think that we have given over that power. And I say that we 
if we got together and we stuck together as a people, that we have more power than we can actually imagine. We say it, but we don't really, really believe it. If we really believed it, there would not be a lot of things that has gotten away with over the years and the decades as far back. We would have kept up those things that we have overcome long time ago, and we would still keep them up today. But we allow them. When somebody goes to jail or somebody goes to court to determine who they are, we should pack that courtroom up and back them up to let everybody else know who, what they're worth and that we are worth somebody. But we've fallen by the wayside. We've fallen through the cracks in so many situations. And now we're trying to determine who, what we're worth. We should never, ever allow anybody to tell us what we want. Your value or our value can't be a few dollars, a couple of crowds for a couple of days. At some point, we have to rise up and recognize that there is more value to us. You know, how often do we have to hear that if you do this to the least of us, then you'll do it to all of us? Mm -hmm. So, Regina, when we rise up for a couple of days and we allow the city hall to give us a big check and we just go on about our business, we are easily dismissed and devalued. Like Cheryl said, we need to be at the courtroom wrapped around the building. We need to make them afraid to come back with a decision that suggests that we don't have value. And that's what they've been doing lately. They don't believe that anything is going to happen when they come back with these decisions telling us we don't have value. At some point, we have, you know, if everybody believes that we're worth millions, we're worth gold, we're worth diamonds, we cannot be replaced then why are so many of these courtrooms coming back with not guilty without fear that anything is going to happen? Regina? Well, hi, yes, uh-huh. Well, um, you know, I that that's very interesting. I saw something today, a post, and it had on there a picture of of, of a man, and had, he had his his fingers in his ears. And by that picture, it said, when black folks speak of police brutality, when black youth speak of police brutality, in other words, the man had his fingers in his ears. Right below that picture, it had a picture of some children, young people on Time magazine, 
it said when white children speak of gun violence and their pictures, there was a picture of five white people, five white children from the Florida area on there on the cover of Time magazine. So that right there shows us how we are devalued. Gun violence as it affects African Americans, there's a finger in the ears. But the the I'm sorry, the police brutality as it affects African Americans, there's a finger in the ears. But gun violence because it affects Caucasians more in that um they're the ones who are that that are more often going into the schools doing the shooting then everybody's paying attention. But that's not the reason people are paying attention. They're paying attention because those children, those young people, they had them together, and they rallied people to stick together with them. We've got to do the same. We've got to come up with plans. We've got to uh-huh. stick together. Once the the hike is over, then out of sight, out of mind. But they kept it right there in the forefront, and they were immediate about it. We've got to learn to strategize, and we've got to learn to keep our mouths closed while we are strategizing. If you remember, I said, those those people are coming back, and those people are coming back with a plan, and they sure did. We have to recognize that every one of our lives have a value that cannot be determined by white America writing a check. That nine-year-old or ten-year-old who was walking through the park with a pellet gun deserved to have more than, than 45 seconds to determine his value. And when those officers didn't spend one day in jail, gave us some insight into what what we meant. Can you make people pay for their mistakes? There's not going to be any change until there is a a understanding that we're not going to tolerate this anymore. We're going to defy the rule of law. Until you recognize our values, our 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 right to breathe beyond your right to kill us, because what police officers are saying is, I have the right to go home more than you have the right to live. When they're able to say, I was in fear of my life, which gives me the right to shoot you, no matter what you have in your hand, then that says I am more important to the world than you are. So, Nate, I'm saying to you, if we don't change that platform or that belief or make uh, the chief of police or the mayor understand there's a price to be paid when you kill innocent people, then we'll continue to have this happen. You're absolutely right in what you're saying. You know, it, I'm asking you, when was the last time you heard 
that they killed an a, a innocent child, white child, who had a phone in his hand. Because they better take the time to figure out whether it's a phone or it's a gun or some heads going to fall. Why can't that be the same for African Americans? And you're absolutely right in what you're saying. Because when I was in Iraq and overseas and everything like that, you know, I had plenty of opportunities to fire my weapon and, and say the same thing that my life was in danger. It seemed like when it, they held us more accountable when we was overseas than we were holding uh, law enforcement here to held accountable. I mean, I could have killed a lot of people and say the same thing that um, um, my life was in danger. But guess what? My life was in danger every day. I woke up every day while I was over there. But I had to realize everybody was not out to kill me. And then we have made it so easy for society has made it so easy for these cops to hide behind my life is in danger. My life is in danger. And the thing that bothers me, before they really made an issue about these body counts, how often that was being said. How often that's being said. They, it's, it's like when I was overseas, they told us to make sure we make positive PID, identifying our target is what, what, it, what it meant. And everything. Watch, watch that target. These cops these days are not being held accountable. The only way they're being held accountable is we make them accountable. Just like the uh, other young lady that said about when all the hoopla, everything dies down, then we get quiet. We don't say nothing to the next event. No, we cannot die down when all the hoopla dies down. When emotions, when emotions get calm, we cannot forget one crime. And jump to the next crime. No, we need to focus on the one thing that that has happened. Something happened in Orlando. Did we need to focus on that thing that happened in Orlando until we get some justice for Orlando? And we're not doing that. And we're letting them tell us what they're going to do instead of us telling them what we want. We want justice, but they telling us what they're going to do, how they're going to fix it. And then when something like that happens, they get administrative leave. You still getting paid. Even though you might not be on the uh, at, at, at the job, you still getting paid. Well, that mom and dad still got to pay for a funeral. That life, that 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 life that was taken, that still that body still got to be put in the ground. But you still getting paid. And by the time there's some form of justice, so much time has done elapsed. It's almost like it's meaningless. It's like they're trying to play a weight game, the hope that we won't say nothing about it. No, it it is it, it, it is wrong. It is past wrong. It's wronger than two boys kissing on church on Sunday morning, but we allow these things to happen because we we um we have been devalued. We allow ourselves to be devalued. We allow, allow people to tell us how much worth we are and everything. No, because you from the hood, that don't mean your life is any more or less than anybody else. No, you are worth. You are priceless, not worthless. We need to grab that priceless mindset and then pass that on. And when things like this happens. We can take arms up together and let them know this, too, is not going to pass. We're not going to let this pass. But we won't do that because as soon as something happens, they want to fork out a little bit of money and hush it up. No, we cannot hush it up because when I come out here in these streets, I can get shot by the police just like anybody else, and they don't care nothing about me being a combat veteran or anything else. The first thing they're going to say, well, he was a black guy and my life was in danger. That's the story that they're going to tell. And if it would have went for these body cams, it will be a lot more of that going on. So, no, 
we cannot accept the standard of protocol as is. We have to force that change, even if it means going all the way up from from not just putting the um the officers in jail. It means if it have to mean we protest for the the, the police chief, the supervisor to be fired, then that's what we need to do. But this too shall not pass. Thank you. And that's what I'm telling you. You have to go beyond them writing a check for the family, beyond that court that they have, that they come back with a non-guilty guilty uh, decision. Heads have to roll. Chiefs of police have to be dismissed, uh, dismissed. Mayors have to be lose their job. You got to make it so costly that people are going to take a different approach to the decision making. These people cut their uh, videos and sound off for 30 minutes or so to get their story straight. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when heads got to roll, when chief of police are going to be dismissed, when mayors are going to be dismissed, and when the, the check is going to be about 30 or 40 million, not 1 million, but 30 or 40 million, and money is going to go into a group so that uh, people can can uh, respond. Listen, where were those millionaires to put this money for us to respond to black Americans being murdered in the street? This is our this is our mass murdering, and it's happening every day. Time out for a simple check to be written and everybody go back to their job. D, we got to be worth more than a million dollars. And it is. It is. It's way more worth more than a million dollars. Uh, the couple of things I want to expound on, uh, one of which is, first of all, I want to say this to Miss Cheryl before I forget. Uh, Miss Cheryl, you sound just like my mama, and I love you for that. You had me, in, you almost had me in tears. Um, this, that was the mindset that she brought me up on uh, sixty some sixty years ago, and uh, and you and I are pretty much in the same age bracket. But that was a mindset that that they taught us. Back in those days, that's the difference. The difference is that collectively, black people, which was then Negroes, you understand? Every time I say that, people don't understand what I'm talking about when I say that. Negroes had a different mindset than black people. Mm -hmm. And and the mindset that Negroes had was, we trying to get from up under this umbrella of Jim Crow. We got to stick together to do that. Are you in? And you had to be in. If If you was a person of color, you was in. So, Miss Cheryl, I appreciate you for for being that mama for, for your kids, and had gone through the adversity that you had to go through, and still having the mindset that you was taught to know that your day, that your season was going to come again. And I appreciate that. Getting back to the other question, James. Um, no, um, the hush money. 
um, you know, for this guy to spend all them years in jail, uh, he can never get back what he lost. Um, if, if he was lucky enough to still have his wife waiting around for him, um, of course, she had probably lost trust in him and all that. And and then uh, his performance in the bedroom, all of that has changed. And so a million dollars came came by none of that back. So that's not enough. But, um, you know, when it comes down to the organization of getting something done, um, again, we are uh, give, we have been given more opportunities to get it right when it comes down to our organization skills to, um, to galvanize and to get our people together behind something, to push through and to push forward. And um, and hopefully this will be it. Now, the problem that we've had in the past, and I got to say this, uh, after Ferguson and after the guy that was killed in, in New York, um, the organizers didn't have the right mindset. The mindset they had, and I'm going to throw it on the line because I'm kind of tired of it, the mindset that they had was a Black Panther mindset. By any means necessary, y'all gonna give us what it want. No, you ain't. You're gonna get your head thrown in jail or shot. And that is not the way to do it. The mindset that uh, the group Black Lives Matter had, and whomever were came a part of that, had it had, went about it the wrong way. Now, no, even though they've tried to curb and correct that 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 mindset of uh getting justice done by any means necessary, even though they're try, probably trying to change that, they've already set the standard. They've already set their persona of of, of whoever a white America thinks you are. And they think they, they, they think you're a bunch of thugs. And all of that, who cares? Well, we really don't care about what they think. However, you got to get them on board on, of your cause to get national attention. Dr. King understood that. Again, he understood that. You got to cross over to get them involved in order to get your cause even looked at. All right. So uh, if they, if we go about it the right way, with some kind of common sense about it all, then uh, we can get the change that we make. You know, uh, we can get the change that we need. When it comes down to this present administration, it's important, that, and this has come to me by way of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to, to learn this to stand down. And let God work this out. Let God work this out, and then and we can get the changes, the necessary changes that we need. I'm sorry, James, go right ahead. But, see, we have to be prepared to overwhelm these cities that have these police chiefs in them that will suggest that it's important for my police officers to go home regardless if they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to realize or recognize that your life is going to change when you make these mistakes. And mm-hmm. when you feel like life is going to change when you make mistakes, you make fewer mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's only when everybody come to value the life of everybody else. See, we mm-hmm. value the life of a white man because that, that's why you don't have black officers mistakenly killing 
white men or white children or white women. Because mm-hmm. they know it's going to be a price to be paid. So they take mm-hmm. the time yeah. to make the right determination. Mm-hmm. White officers that, in white America believe things may not change. I I got just as much time to, to go free, so I'm going to do this because life's not going to change anyway. Okay. Let me give you a story. Let me okay. share a story okay. with you. There was a man who was a veteran who was in his house, minding his business, asleep. He had this system where he had been, he had had a heart attack, so he had this system where he could mash the button and he would get assistance. He accidentally rolled over on the button and the people could not rise him out of his sleep. So they called the police. So that's supposed to be a courtesy call to find out if you're okay. When the man woke up, he told everybody, hey, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Okay, let me ask you, after the man tell you he's fine, leave him alone, why don't you go home? You know, all right, Mr. Wright, we just came to check on you. If you're okay, we leave it. They determined they had, that man had to open the door. And when they opened the door and he had a knife, they shot him dead. Now tell me why was it so important for him to go in that door if the only reason for going to his house was to check on his welfare? The man told you he was okay. But I'm white. I want to see you in this house. James, you know, if I may allow be allowed to respond to that, uh, Pastor Smith probably could back me up on this. Uh, they had to make sure that the man was all right for real, that it wasn't a, a hostage situation. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm if I'm a, an escaped convict and I'm I, I found refuge in your home, uh, uh, and when somebody comes to the door, I'm holding a knife to your throat to tell them that it's all right. I mean, I think I think them being public servants have to have to follow some protocol in that way. Now, the fact the fact that the man was irate uh, and had a knife at the door. Uh, I can't answer to that. But uh, quickly, I want to get back to something. You know, when it comes down to doing things correctly, the family of of this black man shot. You know, don't get you no okie doke lawyer. When it comes down to coming together, the churches and and community leaders should pay for a well deserving, qualified lawyer. One who can look at the loophole to make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. That's some kind of justice and to make sure that internal affairs do their job. If you get the okie-doke lawyer and if you get the public defender, your case is not going to be worth a hill of beans. So that's when it comes down to um, making sure that everything is done correctly because the laws, as we already know, is done to protect them. You know these guys. They walk around with the with the, uh, the, the white citizens walk around with the glocks on the on uh, in their pocket, and and they and they put spend four hundred dollars on a Glock, three hundred dollars on a holster, for what? They got to shoot somebody. Why why have it if you carry it and you and, and if you're not in Iraq, then the anxiety of you got to start a confrontation somewhere so you can just use what you got, but knowing that the laws are on your side, yeah. 
if if they can stand the ground and say that they fear for their life and you swing on them and you are unarmed, they shoot you dead. They they're betting that the laws are gonna be on their side in that way. So we have to come to some common sense about all of that. We don't had this conversation uh, for for two years now almost. The trap is you losing your cool. That's the trap. And so uh, we got to teach our children, like Miss Cheryl said, we got to teach our children to have common sense, know your self worth, and don't fall into the trap of losing your cool and swinging on them folks. Because while you dead. The court gonna play in their favor, especially if your family is not smart enough to be a good lawyer. I mean, a strong lawyer. I'm sorry, James. Thank you. Uh, Cheryl, you know you said before that what's important to your son, and you got him saying it, is to come home. But what's the? Why isn't it important that we not be treated like second-class citizens? Why isn't our lives? So uh, important enough that they rate the right decisions related to who we are and where we how valuable our lives are. Again, if their life was going to change, they would take the time necessary to make sure they were making the right decision. But you know, that was one of the things that you just said. You know, mentioned is that. When something happens, we don't rally enough around the individual. And trust me, we know when they have really done wrong. But when a person, we don't have the church, we don't have the community to back them up. And these families cannot afford a really good lawyer because I know somebody that's in jail right now. The cops came in, and they found drugs that didn't even belong to him. The person admitted that it was their drugs, but the lawyer that they had was so lax that he just went along with whatever the prosecutor um, handed down. He didn't... He had a paper, he had a witness, he had a signed affidavit saying that these were my drugs. Mm. So here, again, an innocent person is sitting in jail. But the people within that community and the church, because they know all the evidence, they know this other person came forward and said, hey, look, that was mine. So with that being said, why not the church that he was raised in, that he went to, that he was committed to, stand by him? Why not the community get together and make sure that he had the best lawyer? And no, a lot of us cannot um, afford a really good lawyer. But when, when wrongful is done, we should be able to rally around that person and we should be able to get the funds necessary. We can find the funds when it's time to go out to get the hair done, to get the hair cut, to buy the outfit, to do all of these right, things. Right. But what about the fact of a person's life? We don't value a person's life. 
and see because they know that, then they take advantage of that. But we allow them to. Because if we don't have value, they don't have no value for us either. So they get away with as much as we allow them to get away with. If they knew that every time somebody went to court, that they're going to have churches, they're going to have the communities, they'll get sick and tired of it. But we don't have that. We're not showing no kind of strength. We have given all our power up. So that's the reason why, you know, and then when they're offered this amount of money, the family, the family ain't never seen that kind of money. They've never seen that kind of money. So they trade off the money for their work. They don't think that their work is more than this money. So we making the trade off in so many different situations. So that's why I say, you know, we we can do we can do so much more. We can do so much better. Because if we constantly saying, I don't deserve that. You know, even as women, women empower women. Men empowering younger men. You don't deserve that. A person will only do what you allow them to do. When they can't do it no more, they'll go somewhere else. But as long as they, you know, when you say, oh, I've been in a relationship for five years and I'm not married. You're not because that's not a requirement. If it was a requirement, you would be or you would be gone. We don't require things. We accept things. And if we begin to require those things in life, then we can make a whole lot of difference. And you're so right. You know, white America has demanded that their children be safe and be out of harm's way when it comes to police officers, and when it comes to their punishment. And until we start demanding that our children be able to walk the streets just as safely and without being harassed by police officers, see, we need to stop it before it gets to a murder. We need to stop it when it's just harassment. We need to say, no, you're not going to harass our children any longer. You're going to treat them with respect and dignity, or we are going to create hardship in our cities. See, these these are the kinds of things or statements we need to be making, because when you hurt them or you make them lose their careers, they're going to start letting those people on the street change their career path. But if it's going to be going back with business as usual, then what's the reason to change? There is no reason to change. Well, you know, uh, is that that for me, James? Yeah, it's for you. Okay. Well, um, you know, I I, I agree with you. Um, 
best way to change. But, you know, when you're dealing with what you're dealing with, um, you can't play into their way of uh, rebuttal. You know, um, if you play into their hands where they can use your actions against you, then you're not going to get anything. All you're going to get there from that from that standpoint is, is the burning city time. And see, and that's what your followers is gonna is gonna gather that, that that's what you want. Because when if you don't use finesse in in your in your point of view, then nobody's going to listen to you. You're going to turn a deaf ear. And if you turn a deaf ear, then your followers is going are going to be uh, frustrated and agitated. And then they're going to want some action. They're going, to, they're going to turn to drastic measures. So when it comes down to organization, we have to set the, the groundwork of what we, what, what we expect of you and what we do not expect of you. And that's what Black Lives Matter uh, fails to do. They fail to organize their organization. So uh, I'm, 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 in, I'm all in on what, what you're saying. But things has to be done in the order manner because it does no it does no good if everybody in the organization is in jail. What does that do? So uh, I, I'm not against the movement or the cause. It's just a, there's a proper way of doing anything. And anger and being angry, it's just like in a fight. If you if if you are angry in a fight, you're swinging for the fence. You're not looking for the punch. You're not looking for the kids to the ball. You gotta, you gotta have a technique in order to survive what you're trying to do. And that's my whole point. Uh, ladies and excuse my analogy of that. Thank you, Jim. Nate, if you're not willing to put it all out for the guy who is, um, you know, marginal, for the guy who is always doing stuff wrong, then it's going to impact you when the child who's on honor roll. Remember that we had the police officer who came to break up a um, party because it was too loud, ended up shooting a, a honor roll student, a kid who was just at the party trying to go home, and he shot into a car. Okay, see, the point is it don't just stop with the drug dealer being shot it's going to be all of us who just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we need to be fighting not just for the drug dealers who shouldn't be executed or the boy who walking across the bridge with a knife and only one in Chicago when one police officer was gunned him down and nobody else shot but that one police officer. When we're fighting for them, we're fighting for all of us. You know what? It's it's it's, it's you right. You know it's like when I when I go across when I go across the seas, you know, different countries, I represent the United States of America. I mean, I represent everybody. And you right. If we don't put a foot down when it comes to those who are in and out of jail all the time, then then it's not going to stop for those who are are requiring justice. Just to pick up back off what. Ms. Cheryl and Diaz said earlier about communities and churches coming together. One of the reasons why they made such a big move for
for the vets when we got back from war, there was a lot of veterans killing themselves, and the majority of those vets was white, and America got appalled. So that's why they made a big push for for veterans to get help. Now, the majority of those veterans would have been black. What would have been said then? Who would have stood up for us and everything? And so I'm a recipient because what others had did for other veterans. This is the same mindset we got to have for our communities. The communities do need to stand up. Yes, I know John out there selling drugs and everything like that. You know, I understand. But who to say that John won't get a raw deal when he goes to court? Police know that man is selling drugs. So what's to stop the police officer from planting drugs on him because he has a history of doing that? What's, what's, what's to stop that? We have to stop that. We have to stop it now. We are such a nation that is so reactive instead of being proactive. We always wait for the next big thing to happen before we all decide to come along. Too much has already happened. We already got a whole list of big things that done happen. And and like Michelle had said earlier, when emotions die, we threw with it. No, 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 no. Radio shows like these need to keep going on so everybody can be inspired to do something before something else big that happens. Because if you don't put heads on a chopping block when stuff happens, then it's going to keep on going. Because even in the military, the United States Army held me accountable for everything I did. But every single thing they said, if you're going to work for us, we're going to hold you accountable for every single thing you do. And that's what we got to do with these public servants. They work for us. We don't work for them. we got to hold them accountable for every single thing they do. Just like when they went to that veteran's home, that veteran's home who had a knife. Okay, yeah, he might have been aggravated. He might have been upset. But you seen it was a knife. If you would have took the time to see that was a knife, you could have backed away instead of firing first. If he kept charging at you, then I understand that. But you didn't give him a chance to. And that's the thing about you, you, your life was in danger. Everything. Our lives are in danger every day when we wake up. I don't want to hear that no more. Our lives are in danger every single day. But I'm not pulling my weapon out on nobody. We need, we need, we need, and as for making mistakes, that's the difference between mistakes and choices. These people are making choices. And we need to say enough is enough when it comes to choice. I tell people quick, when you're getting pulled over by the police, and if you feel like what they're doing is not right, you ask for their supervisor. If their supervisor is a corporal or a sergeant, you have them to come on to the scene. De-escalate it. Show them that you got the sense. Just don't take their word, face value of what's going on. You get a supervisor out there. You get many of them out there as, as possible. Make sure those, can, those, those dash cams and body cams are on so you can be justified in what you're saying. Never give in to that anger. Never give in to that emotion. Never get into any, any of that because at the end of the day, we have to stay calm because when you calm, you can think. When you think, you can plan. When you, when, you, when you plan, you're a person of action. That's what they hate. That's why they always trying to give us hush money and stuff like that because they know when we unify what we can do. And that's the thing at hand right there. We have to be unified for whatever we do. No matter how small it is, we need to attack it. If we attack the small things, they, they, they'll give in to the bigger thing because if we wear them out, Things have changed, but we have to wear them out. They've been wearing us out for so long that it become a mindset, and it should not be a mindset. So we need to say enough is enough and wear them out. Start asking, just like every time somebody says something on the news, that like in white America that they don't like, first thing they will ask for, for somebody to be fired. That's the first thing they told. They need to resign. And when they put enough pressure on that person, they resign. Well, if something happened to one of us, we don't put enough pressure on it. Ain't nobody losing their jobs and stuff or going to jail like they should be. And that's on us. So we have to stop that. Thank you, James. Yeah, it is important that we recognize 
that there's nobody who can fight more for us than us. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back and continue our conversation. right now. If we don't fight, 
for these young men who are dying in our streets with no guns in their hands, then they're going to be killing all of us by mistake. And nobody will face the uh, sinners. They'll just go home, get some time off, and go back to work. Until heads roll for these mistakes that these people, these police officers are making, we're going to find all of ourselves in the same situation. Regina, where, where, where does it end? Where does it stop? How do we uh, put, uh, make a turn to make this go in a different direction? James, can you hear me? I hear you. Oh, okay. Um, I, you know, after the incident that occurred, um, what, last weekend, and I sent you all the link to it, after that, I started asking the same question. And now I, I know, all I know is that the answer has to be, for those of us who have a belief, the answer has to be in prayer. But I'm constantly um, researching, looking for for scriptures to, to soothe my hurting soul and to give me some sort of sense of why things are happening. Um, you know, these things will happen. We know these things will happen. You know, these scriptures are in the Bible to help me to rationalize things. But I don't know. I'm looking for all of my my explanations from God because I cannot I don't I don't know what is going through the minds of all of these people. Oh I, I I'm not going out there picking up guns shooting people. You all aren't going out there picking up guns shooting people. What is happening? Well, Regina, I have to believe that that young man who shot down those three people somehow or another did not see the value in his freedom, did not see the value in his ability to be worth something, uh, so he was willing to give it away. But when police officers are shooting innocent people, they're supposed to be trained. They're supposed to have some kind of restraint, some kind of need to follow some kind of rules and regulations. And they have a greater responsibility, as far as I'm concerned, to do the right thing. And they're choosing not to. But you know what, James? What I'm, what, as you just said that, what I'm thinking is, you know, they get the training. But that's just like a pecan or a walnut. You have that, that outside shell, but the inside, inside, all of the training in the world cannot change how they were reared, what their hearts are saying. So that's where the, the issues come in. You know, you, you can't change the, you can't change the insides of these people. And and when push comes to shove, whatever is in their heart is what they do. 
That's the way it seems to me. And let me just add on here yesterday, but you can tell me when you are in close range to somebody, why are you shooting them 20 times? You know what I'm saying? Why does it take 20 shots? That means when you, to me, you're out of control when you empty your gun. Mm-hmm. I have never been trained to empty my clip on nobody. I have never. I mean, unless I'm in a sustainable firefight, because for one, you 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 you're throwing away ammo doing that. It's it's been that close. I I have never ever been trained. I've been trained to double tap. You know, fire, bam, bam. You know, next target, bam, bam. Unless we're in a sustainable firefight, that does not make any sense. I don't know if they train them like that or not, but I'm going to tell you, for, for me, I have never been trained like that. And, again, there, there was a standard. There was a standard for her, just like um, what the young lady just said. You know, it was, it was in your heart. You can be trained all you want, but if you fear, but if you know there will be no accountability or retribution, you're going to do something you ain't got no business doing. Now, as for me, there was always accountability in the Army well, except for when I did something. Always accountability. And that was not the reason why I didn't do it. That was one of the reasons. But another reason is once I pull that trigger, I can't pull that round back. If I take a life, I, there's nothing I can do to, to to bring that life back. So I had a lot of time to think about stuff before I even did stuff, how I want things to turn out. I put myself in scenarios. Again, accountability has to go so far high up the food chain and 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 that way training goes down um because there's a there's a lack of uh, uh standard for training because they do the um both the police officers are supposed to go through these stress tests these psychological vows and stuff like that and every time you hear something uh, that goes down first thing they say they look in their police jacket they they do there was incident reports or oh, them doing this or them doing that or oh, they saw something in uh the the psychological psychological evaluation mm-hmm. we always hear about those things. But I'm like, okay, but why you didn't do nothing about it then? Why do you have to be waiting for so long for something big to happen, and now there's an issue? I have never been trained to empty out my magazine on anybody like that in close quarters combat. There's no need for it. That's that's what we call overkill. And even in that, that should be investigated. There should be charges on that because that's not training. And that's hey, just you I'm being you. Is, I remember I was spent time as a um, citizen police review uh, reviewer, and I the double tap you talk about, you double tap and evaluate, double tap and evaluate, yes. because yes. you're only supposed to shoot until the threat is gone. But how are you going to exactly. evaluate? You shooting twenty times. Doesn't evaluate you didn't even hear no you shot come back. If the man, you know what I'm saying. If you shoot at me. And I'm in fear, and I know I'm about to die because you shooting at me. I'm gonna shoot back at you. But if you exactly. if you don't wait to hear no shots, you don't know it's a gun. You didn't see if it was gone for right off. Then when you double tap and he don't fire back, ain't no gun because ain't nobody gonna let you shoot them without you shooting back. It's true. But when you just keep this- shooting until your clip gone, you don't put twenty 
hit this man 20 times. That's an execution. And my thing is with him being shot 20 times. Well, let me ask you this question, Jay. Was that one cop that did it? They did the firing? It was two. It was, it was two. two. Okay, that's fine. Okay, okay, that's fine. It's a 20 round. I said most, 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 most magazines carry 15 rounds. But even in that, right. I mean, 20 times and everything. That, 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 that's, that right there's a red flag. That should have been an investigation. I'm sorry. Yeah. That now it should be an investigation. It, it should be some, some head should be rolled behind that. 20 times? That's telling me right there, whoever child that was, that's going to be a closed casket funeral. But nobody want to talk about that part. Nobody want to address that yeah. part. 20 times. And, Nonsense. And talk about what What do you care about the community? There were houses around. What do you care about the community when you shooting like that in the community? What What about the bullets that didn't hit him? Exactly. Collateral. Now we're talking about collateral damage and everything like that. Again, that's like I said, that's not training. Because the one thing about it is, one thing we always learn in, in, in the combat environment, we always learn our sectors of fire. Know your sectors of fire. Know where, know where you at at all times. Know what's around you and everything. Like you said, at the end of the day, you know, people may have bad hearts, but you still train. You still a professional and everything. So you got to know what's around you at all times because there's been a lot of collateral damage. When I was overseas in Iraq, it was soldiers doing old, it was soldiers over there doing something they hadn't been doing. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. So so but again All right, Regina um, we had the end of another show that we just we got so much to talk about. What is your final thoughts this evening, Regina? Um, what's in the heart is going to always come out, and um, true. I think we've got to start working on the hearts of these people, because working on the minds evidently is not working. All right, uh, Cheryl, what's your final thought? As usual, this was a very, very good, um, good topic, interesting. Um, and you know, like I always say, whatever we can we are doing, we always can do more. And we really can and it starts at home. All right, Nate, your final thought this evening. Um, my final thought is louder voices. I just our voices need to be louder. Just just say it so loud that it make everybody hear it, not just a certain section. Everybody hear it. The more you people you make them hear it, the more they have to uh, do something about it. That's it. All right, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow at 8.30 Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflection. We want to be here so your voice can be heard loud and clear. Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow at 8.30. Good night, y'all. your children and don't let them fall by the side of the road and teach them to love one another that heaven might find
Lift up our hearts to be thankful. 